The message this morning, I'm, I'm entitling it, The Cross and Missions. The Cross and Missions. Isaiah 53, uh, verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And you don't have to turn there, but I want to read one other verse in John chapter 13, or John chapter 12, verse 32. And Jesus said this, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the privilege to share your word. We thank you for everyone who's come today, Lord. We have several visitors with us today, and we are so glad of that. And I pray that all of us, including our visitors, would be receptive to the word of God, and that we, you would allow, uh, you would, we would allow you to apply it to our hearts, Lord, as is needed. I thank you that Jesus died for our sins, and I thank you, Lord, that that includes everyone here. And if somebody has not trusted Christ as their Savior, I pray that today they would. Use the message to speak to our hearts. Give enablement to bring it, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. This month, we are emphasizing missions. And this month, we will be making a decision personally about how much we give to missions. Our church uses the Faith Promise Program of Giving. That Faith Promise Program is based on some principles found in in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 8 and 9. And uh, those principles tell us that we should give by faith to the Lord. And what we do each year in the month of April, we have uh, an emphasis on missions, and we ask our people to uh, determine what they're going to give for the, fo- for the coming year in missions. That would start next month and go through April of next year. And so you will receive at the end of the month a faith promise card. It's a it's a, a card that's folded in half, and then after you fold it, you uh, tear, the, tear it in half, and so one half goes in the offering plate, other half goes to yourself, put in your billfold or your purse or whatever, and uh, it tells you how much God, or it, you will tell on that, on that card how much God has impressed you to give towards missions in this coming year. And so... I would encourage you to do that. Ask the Lord what he would give, add you to give towards missions. Our missions giving is over and above the regular giving of our church. So the only way we support missionaries is through your designated gifts to faith promise giving. Years ago, I started faith promise giving, and every year I've done this, I always increase my faith promise. And because the Lord's been good to us, and so I want to increase my faith promise. So I'll do that again this year. And I encourage you to consider that. But at least pray that God would help you to know what he wants you to give towards missions this, this year. What we give to missions each, each month is used by the church to support the missionaries that we support. That take the gospel around the world. We have an influence through our worldwide rich, missionary outreach in, in countries like these in England, in Germany, in Russia, in Canada, in Brazil, in Africa, in Japan, in Papua New Guinea, in Mexico, and in Costa Rica. Our church has an influence in that, in that we send 
money to help missionaries who go to those places. And so I encourage you to be faithful in your, in your giving. The reason we give to missions is because the Lord tells us to do so. The Lord tells us to do so, and, that, and by that I mean he tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We can reach this area with our personal testimony. You can witness to somebody, and uh, all of you have d- different avenues where you can witness to people and tell them about Jesus. But as far as overseas, we're limited in doing that. I can't go to England or all these other places to share the gospel. But through my missionary outreach and giving to missions, I can do that. And that is, I help send a missionary there who, and help him so that he can be financially able to be, function there and do the work and share the gospel in those foreign countries. And so that's very important. So reason we give to missions is because God tells us to be involved in worldwide missions, go into all the world and preach the gospel. In addition to God's command for us to spread the gospel, missions is also motivated by the answer to two questions I want to mention this morning. Missions is motivated by the answer you give to these two questions. The first question is this, who killed Jesus? Now, I don't know about you, but I like mysteries. It used to be that Hallmark had some good mysteries on. The other day, my wife and I tuned into a Hallmark mystery, a new one. We didn't have to watch it very long to see it was going to the wrong place, approving things that were wrong, and so I did, we just shut it off. Uh, you can't support, you can't count on Hallmark anymore. But uh, I like mystery because you're wondering what's going to happen. Well, the Bible says, the Bible gives us a lot of evidence so that the who killed Jesus should not be a mystery to us. It should not be a mystery. Uh, we shouldn't have to say, well, well, who did it anyway? Who killed Jesus? Well, we know from the Bible that there's a lot of people involved in killing Jesus. And so I want to talk to you about that first of all. That's the first question. The answer to those, that question motivates us uh, to missions. First of all, our arch enemy, Satan, was instrumental in killing Jesus. He was involved in the killing of Jesus. In fact, he understood way back at the very beginning that there's coming one. Uh, he knew that there's coming one who's going to uh, be against him. Because in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. That's a deadly wound. Bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So God told Satan, you know, you're going to pay. And there's coming one that's going to bruise your head. And all you're going to get to do is bruise his heel. And so the devil knew that was coming. So he was trying to look out for what this might be. And the first one he attacked was when, in the incident of Cain and Abel. Abel was a godly man who did what God told him to, brought a bloody sacrifice. And Cain knew the same thing, but he didn't do that. He said, I'm just going to bring the fruit of my fields. And he brought it to the Lord. And the Bible says he got angry because God didn't, didn't accept his, his gift. And he got angry and killed Abel. I think the devil was behind that. Also, the Bible tells us that Pharaoh attempted to kill all the Jewish male babies in, in Egypt, trying to get at that, that promised one, and the devil was behind that. And so he had all these babies killed, but God spared Moses so Moses could be the one to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt and all that. But the devil wasn't finished. Many years later, through the decree of Ahasuerus, he decided he was going to kill all the Jews. 
I mean, all the Jews in his province were going to be killed. And he was using Haman, and Haman's ones that instituted it, and he was going to use Haman to do it. And on a certain day, on the 13th day of the 12th month, according to the book of Esther, chapter 1, verse 22, he was going to kill all the Jews. Well, you know the Lord intervened there because the promised one was going to come through the Jews, and the devil probably figured that out by now. And so uh, he was going to kill all the Jews and try to get that promised one. But uh, the, the Lord turned the tables there and ended up Haman was hanged on the gallows and he prepared for Mordecai. And then Herod tried it again to kill the Christ child. When he understood who the Christ child was, when the devil understood, he empowered Herod to do something about it. And so Herod passed a decree that all the babies, not just the boy babies, but all the babies two years old and under would be killed. And they set out with a sword to slay all those babies, and it must have been a terrible time. But the Lord got uh, Jesus out of there, and he wasn't killed, of course. But the devil what knew he'd, he'd been uh, thwarted again, so he's going to try one last time. And that is, by now, he has understood that this promised one was Jesus of Nazareth. And so he was going to do all he could to kill him. And the Bible says in uh, that... Um, that Herod tried to, that, that Satan tried to kill uh, Jesus uh, through, uh, through Judas. And Judas was the one who set out to betray the Lord. We know that the devil was behind it because it says in Luke chapter 22, Then entered Satan unto Judas, named Iscariot. Satan calls Judas to betray the Lord. John chapter 13, verse 2, The devil having now put in the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him. And so Judas was involved. And no doubt he was influenced by the Jewish rabbis as well. And the, or the Jewish rabbis were influenced by the devil behind the scene. The devil was try, trying to get Jesus. And so uh, they took him to the cross of Calvary and the devil thought that he had won. Well, also there was a man by the name that we just mentioned, Judas. And Judas was involved in killing Jesus. So Satan was involved and Judas was involved in killing Jesus. He was one of the 12 of, of the Lord's apostles, and he walked with the Lord, and he taught with the Lord, and he probably even performed miracles that God allowed him to perform. And, yet, and he was trusted because he was the treasurer of the group. He was the treasurer of the apostles. And so he held the bag, he held the money, and he determined how it was spent. But he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And why did he do it? Matthew 26 what will you give me, and I will deliver it unto you? And they covenanted with him to give him 30 pieces of silver. And Matthew 27 says this, And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Who influenced Judas to do that? The devil did. De the devil entered into Judas and caused him to betray the Lord. But any time you want to betray Jesus, let me tell you something, it won't work. You always be sorry because Judas, after he got his money, realized he had done the wrong thing and he went out and hanged himself. Well, who else was involved in killing Jesus? Well, you could say the disciples. The Lord's disciples, those that followed him, were involved in killing Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it didn't start that way because Peter was going to stand up for the Lord. And the Bible says in John 18, then Simon Peter, having a sword, uh, drew it, and he smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. It's interesting. God gives those details. He not only tells 
whose ear was, uh, what ear was cut off, the right ear, but he tells who the man's, what the man's name was. His name was Malchus. And so uh, Peter said, I'm going to stand up for the Lord, and he cuts his ear off. And the Lord says, put away your sword. And the Lord takes that ear. I'd like to have been there and seen that, wouldn't you? The Lord picked up that ear and stuck it back on that man with no super glue or anything and healed it. And it was just like new. And I imagine that guy, well, what just happened? I would think that that would make the man turn to Jesus, but we find out it didn't. And so uh, we know that Peter tried, but then Peter sort of drifted back in, in the shadows, and it says that all forsook him, Matthew 26. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. All of them ran. So at that time, when he was about to be crucified, they were taken to be crucified, his disciples ran away from him. Now, Peter was a little more hesitant, and the Bible says that he followed far off. And, and John chapter 8, and Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. And since John wrote that, it was probably John himself. And he followed afar off. And the Lord had told him earlier, you know, Peter, you're going to die me three times before the cock crows. And Peter said, no, I'd never do that, such a thing as that. Well, the Bible says in Mark chapter 14, there was a maid that came as Peter was warming himself in the enemy's fire there, and Jesus in the distance was being put on trial. There was a maid that came and says, thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I know not, neither understand what thou sayest. And then Mark chapter 14 says, then, then one of them that... Then another maid said, this is one of them, and he denied it again. And so two maids accused Jesus, or accused Peter of being one of the disciples. He said, no, I'm not. I'm not. And then the last thing, there was two maids, you two women accused him. And then it says this in Mark's gospel, chapter 14. They that stood by said, now they that stood by, that's plural. So there were several of them noticed, hey, you're one of the disciples, And it says, they that stood by said, thou art a a Galilean, and thy speech betrayeth thee. And he began to curse and to swear and say, I know not this man whom you speak of. I know not this man of whom you speak. Uh, No, I don't know him. He's denying the Lord the third time. And then John gives us another detail. John 18 says this, this, did not I see thee in the garden with him? (laughs) You know, he's one of the ones that with they said, but one of those people, it says, didn't I see you in the garden with him? And John tells who said that. You know who it was? Malchus, the guy whose ear Peter cut off. He was the one that said. And Peter got all upset, you know, and he denied him. He said, no. And the cock crew. And and Peter had denied the Lord. All the disciples forsook him. So you could say the disciples helped put Jesus to death. And then we go on and say there's another person involved in this, and that is Barabbas. Barabbas was a criminal who deserved to die. In fact, the Bible tells us in Matthew 27 that he was a notable prisoner. In Mark 15, it says he was involved in insurrection, who had committed murder in the insurrection. So he was causing trouble, uh, rising up against the government and is in sedition, and he committed murder in doing that. And then John gives us another detail about it, and he says this, now Barabbas was a robber. 
So he was an insurrectionist, he was a murderer, and he was a robber. He deserved to die. But he didn't die. You know why? Jesus took his place. And they said, who you, he said, who would you that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus? And they said, release Barabbas. Jesus, crucify him. And so Barabbas was involved in Jesus' death because Jesus became his substitute and died in his place. And then the Jews, all the Jews were involved in the killing of Jesus. You see, they rejected him as their Messiah. The Bible says in John, 14, or John 1, verse 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. They rejected him. They deliberately accused him falsely. I mean, deliberately, they accused him falsely. The Bible says in Matthew 26, Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. They sought false witness. They knew it was a lie. They knew the witnesses were wrong, but they sought them to put Jesus to death. They deliberately were trying to kill Jesus. And then when he was brought to that place, they mistreated him. Matthew 26 says they spit in his face and buffeted him, probably hitting him with their fist. And others smote him with the palms of their hands. They would smack him. And then Luke says, and the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, prophesy, who is, who is it that smote thee? And so the Jewish leaders were against Jesus. They were involved in this travesty of justice, the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes. And they demanded that the Romans crucify Jesus. Matthew 27 says, let him be crucified. And, uh, and it says, they answered all, then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us and on our children. When he said, I find no fault in this man, well, then we'll take responsibility because he washed his, remember Pilate washed his hands. And they said, his blood be on us and, his, and our children. Well, that has reverberated down through the centuries, hasn't it? And the Jews have received uh, that very thing that they said, his blood be upon us. Who killed Jesus? Well, you could rightfully say the, the Jews did. Mark 15 says, and they all condemned him to be guilty of death. Mark 15 says, crucify him, they said. And then Luke records that they said, crucify him, crucify him. And John reiterates it and he says, crucify him, crucify him. And, they, and John says, they said, if thou let this man go, talking to Pilate, if you let him go, then you're not Caesar's friend. Because anybody who makes himself king instead of Caesar, he's Caesar's enemy and so you can't let him go. And so these people, these Jews, mocked him on the cross after they had had him crucified. And it says in Matthew 27, Likewise also did all the chief priests, mocking him with the scribes and the elders. They said, you know, if he can come down from, he says he can raise the temple, let him come down from the cross of who he claimed he is. So the Jews are responsible some people have often said, who killed Jesus? And they'll say Jews, and the Jews get all upset about it. But it's true. The Jews killed Jesus. But so did Satan. So did Judas. So did Barabbas. So did all these. The Jews killed Jesus. But then we could also say the Romans killed Jesus. You see, the Romans were involved in killing Jesus. He was judged by the Roman courts. The Bible says in Luke 13, he went before Pilate, or in Luke 23, he went before Pilate. 
Then it says he went before Herod. Then he came back before Pilate. And Pilate was the one who passed the sentence upon the Lord. And Luke 23, 23, 24 says, And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. Matthew 27 says, And when he, that is Pilate, had scourged him, he delivered him to be crucified. So Pilate had the soldiers scourge Jesus, and then he delivered him to them to crucify him. So the Romans were involved in the killing of Jesus. Not only Pilate and these Roman authorities, but the Roman soldiers. These elite soldiers, they were involved in killing Jesus. Matthew 27 says the soldiers of the governor took Jesus in the common hall and gathered unto them the whole band of soldiers. A band of soldiers was between three and 600 soldiers. So you can imagine this one man having already been scourged, whipped with a cat of nine tails for at least, at least 39, maybe 40 stripes, and blood flowing down his body. He had been whipped, and he delivered them unto, them unto the band of soldiers, three to 600 soldiers gathered around Jesus, mocking him, making fun of him, abusing him. And Matthew 27 says they stripped him of his clothes. You remember they had, they had, they had whipped him, cat of nine tails had scourged him. And then they took those clothes off that he had during that whipping. And you can imagine with the, the, the clothes embedded into the flesh that had been ripped apart, they ripped that clothes, those clothes off and that must have hurt the back of the Lord Jesus. And then the Bible says they put on him a scarlet robe. And then after that, they put a crown of thorns on his head. And the thorns would have caused the blood to flow from his scalp. And they put a reed in his hand, and they bowed the knee before him, mocking him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit in his face, and they smote him on the head with the reed. And then they took off the robe. Again, the blood from the whipping had now soaked into the robe, and they jerked that robe off, and that must have hurt awfully bad as they did that. And they took that robe off, and then they put his clothes back on him. All those old clothes that he had that had already been ripped apart with the whip, they put those back on him. And then the Bible says Simon bore his cross as he went to the hill of Calvary. It was got so much for him. He'd been up all night long and been through all these trials and been through all this abuse. And uh, they found a man by the name of Simon of Cyrene. And they asked him to carry the cross because Jesus was falling down in the way of the cross. And so Simon carried the cross to, the, to Calvary. They gave him vinegar mingled with gall to drink. And once he tasted it, then he rejected it and said, no, I don't want it. And they crucified him. What does it mean that they crucified him? Well, they laid him down on the cross that he had carried. And they put those nails in his hands and the nails in his feet. And they lifted him up, and they had a hole pre-dug, and they dropped that cross down in that hole. And you can imagine the weight of his body coming down as, as that cross hit the bottom, and it must have been wrenching pain as he hung there on the cross. And then, as if they didn't even care, the soldiers around the cross gambled for his clothes, deciding who would get what part and they gambled for his clothes. And then the Lord says this in the scripture, they sat down and watched him there. How awful. After doing all that, as if you don't even care, just sit down and watch him. Entertainment for today. 
They sat down and watched him there. You see, only the Romans had the authority to crucify. The Jews couldn't do it. The Bible says in John 18, the Jews said, it is not lawful for us to put any man to death. But they made sure that the Romans who could put him to death got the Lord Jesus. So we could say, yes, the Romans put Jesus to death. But let's go on. Also, we could say God the Father in heaven put Jesus to death. The Bible says he delivered him to be crucified. Acts chapter 2, verse 23 says, his, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. God knew all this was going to take place. He let it happen. He delivered, them, delivered Jesus into their hands. So we could say God the Father put Jesus to death. In fact, it was God the Father who laid our sins on Jesus the Son. Isaiah 53, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He forsook Jesus on the cross. The Bible says that Jesus cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so Jesus was forsaken by God the Father on the cross of Calvary because of our sins. Yes, Jesus took all this for us. The sins of our, our sins were laid on him, and God the Father forsook him because of us. And then he poured his wrath down upon him. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. God was pleased to do it because this would accomplish his will, and that is our salvation. The Father was pleased to do it. It says, he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sins. And 1 Peter 3.18 says, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. So you could say, God the Father put Jesus to death. But then we can add something else. God the Holy Spirit put Jesus to death. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God. Christ through the eternal Spirit. So the Holy Spirit of God was involved in this crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we have to add the, the other part of the Trinity and that is Jesus' the son. He put himself to death. Yes, he was the one who willingly went to the cross. He told his disciples beforehand exactly what was going to happen. It's amazing, but Jesus told them this in Matthew 20, verse 19. They will mock me, and they will scourge me, and they will crucify me. In Luke 18, he says, I will be delivered unto the Gentiles. I'll be mocked. I'll be spitefully entreated. I'll be spit upon. I'll be scourged, and I'll be put to death. But then I'm going to rise again on the third day. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He knew about that. But Jesus, the Son of God, said, all this is going to happen to me. And he willingly went to the cross. He said yes to the cup. You remember the Garden of Gethsemane as he said that, uh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, the cup of the wrath of God that he was going to drink. And uh, the son had never experienced any separation from the father. And he said, if there's any way, if there's any possibility, let this cup pass from me. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So Jesus willingly went to the cross. He refused to call the angels who could have helped him. The Bible says in Matthew 26, it was in the garden after Peter cut off the man's ear. And, uh, and it says, Thinkest thou not that I can now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? 
We sing the song, he could have called 10,000 angels. Oh, yes, he could have. But a legion, it's 36 to, or is, rather, it's 3,000 to 6,000 men. So 12 legions of angels could have been between 36,000 and 72,000 angels. See, Jesus could have called angels to take him down from the cross, but he didn't. He willingly gave his life on the cross. John, 15, John 10 verse 15 says, I lay down my life for my sheep. I lay down my life willingly. John 10 verse 18, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down to myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. Ephesians 5, Christ hath given, him, hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. Philippians 2, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus died on the cross willingly for us. And then in the conclusion, who killed Jesus? Well, Jesus said, nobody can take my life from me. But the Bible says in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, Jesus said this, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. So when the time to die came, it was up to Jesus to decide to do it. And he gave up his spirit and he died. We could say Jesus killed Jesus on the cross of Calvary. But we can't stop there, my friend, because we also have to say this, all of you and me, we killed Jesus. Because why did Jesus die anyway? He died for our sins. We're responsible. You can't get mad at the Jews or the Romans or Judas or or Barabbas or Satan or anybody else. Because of the death of Christ, when you say, who killed Jesus, you have to say, I killed Jesus. Because your sin put him on the cross of Calvary. My sin put him on the cross of Calvary. Jesus died for me. He died for you. He died for our sins. All of us were involved in killing Jesus. The Bible says again in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us, of us all. All of us are responsible for the death of Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Yes, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but, but have everlasting life. Who killed Jesus? Well, Satan, Judas, the disciples, Barabbas, Jews, the Romans, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, and all of us killed Jesus. You see, when we answer that question, who killed Jesus, it's a great motivation for missions. Why is that true? Well, since the whole world is guilty of killing Jesus, many of them don't even know it. (laughs) Many of them don't even know that they're guilty of killing Jesus. It was their sin that put him on the cross. And so we're duty-bound by the gospel, by the, by the command of the Lord, that we take the gospel, the good news about what Jesus did for us, to, the, to all the world, because all of them are involved in killing Jesus, and they need to understand that, and you need to understand that, whoever you might be today. Have you ever taken personal responsibility for the death of Jesus Christ? Your sins put him on the cross. And so you must agree to that, and you must say, yes, Jesus died for me. But then there's another question that motivates missions. 
Not only who killed Jesus, everybody in the world, so our missionaries have to go tell people that, you know, your sin put Jesus on the cross. But then there's another question. Why did Jesus die? Well, we've answered it already in a way, but why did Jesus die? He died because he wanted to save mankind from their sin. He died so he could relieve you of the, of the, the punishment that follows by your sins putting him on the cross of Calvary. He died so that you could live. And that's, that's a question that we must ask. Who, uh, rather, why did Jesus die? He died for our sins. And so most missions is motivated by that answer. He died for everyone's sins. You can't take the gospel, as I've said before, you can't take the gospel to the wrong person because Jesus died for everybody. He wants to be their Savior. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. You see, if you trust Jesus as your Savior, you come to the place where you realize, my sin put Jesus on the cross. My sin is the reason he died for me. But if you trust Jesus as your Savior, you also say, he died for me. He did that for me willingly. He willingly took my sin, and he wants to be my Savior. And if you come to the place where you realize that, then and you turn in faith and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says you'll be saved. You'll be saved for eternity. You see, Jesus is the absolute only way to be forgiven by the Father. He's the only way to be forgiven for your sins that put him on the cross of Calvary. He's the only way that you can have forgiveness. John 14, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And then after his death, you remember he rose from the grave, as we'll celebrate next week. He rose from the grave, and his resurrection was proof that every sin was paid for. And so we as God's people are to share the gospel. We're to share that good news. Look, I have some good news for you. I'm going to back that up with this. You put Jesus on the cross. That's the bad news. You put Jesus on the cross. Your sin is the reason he had to die. You're you're bad enough that it took the death of Jesus. You are are a sinner. You have to realize that. But the good news is this. The reason he went to the cross for you was because he loved you and wanted to save you. And if you accept the one who took your sin, if you accept the one who died in your place, if you believe that he paid for all of your sins and he rose from the grave the third day and he wants to be your savior and he will if you'll just put your trust in him, then you can be saved if you will do that. And we take the gospel to different people. Our missionaries take the gospel to different people. And I'm sure that they on the mission field, whether they've thought about it or not, are motivated by those questions. Who killed Jesus? These people that I'm talking to did. And why did Jesus die? He died for them. He wants to be their Savior. And so I trust that we'll be faithful servants of the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll take the gospel to other people. Then if you've come today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you can never picture a time or a point to a time that you come to, came to the realization that you were a lost sinner. You deserve, God, you deserve hell. 
You don't deserve blessing. You deserve the, the hell that God's prepared for the devil and his angels and all those who won't receive him. That's what you deserve. That's how bad you are. That's how bad all of us are. But if you'll come to the place where you realize that, and then you come to say, I believe Jesus died for me, then he can be your Savior. And I ask you, has there ever been a time in your life when you came to that realization? I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you, you belong to a church. I'm not asking if you've gone through baptism or anything like that. I'm asking you, have you personally put your trust in Jesus Christ? If you haven't, today is the day. Today, you can receive him as your personal Savior, and I hope that you will. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for allowing us to share this message about what you did for us. Lord, we're sorry that we're responsible, but we're so glad that you loved us. You didn't want to condemn us for eternity. You wanted to save us from condemnation. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so, Lord, I pray today, if there's somebody here who has never yet trusted Christ, that today will be the day they do that. Bless as we sing an invitation song, and may your will be done, we ask in Jesus' name.